What's up, kickbackers? This is Sabrina with my girl Sharika and our brother EB, inviting you to sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of The Kickback. Happy National Adoption Month. Sharika and I are so excited because, you know, we talked recently about just the journey to motherhood. I think the title of that episode is Motherhood Be Ghetto, so y'all can go um, back and look at that. I know I have also been ghetto recently because October, I told y'all we uh, share months when we record, and I've been the one putting stuff. It's been crazy. I've been late, but y'all are going to get all four solid episodes for this month, so don't worry. And this one's going to be really solid. My tent is a Perfect fall 65, a little breeze going through the wind. My song is We're All Family. And I won't get into why, but soon um, I will. But I'm just feeling all the positive vibes. I had a lot of travel this month. I was in North Carolina for my uh, undergraduate alma mater. I think that's what I should be calling it. East Carolina, go Pirates, homecoming. Before that, I was in DC for work. I've just been ripping and running. I'm currently in Tennessee, so I can't wait to just be home and enjoying this beautiful season. But enough about me. Sharika, what's your temp? How are you feeling today? Um, My temp is um, 68. I'm digging the fall too. I'm doing really well. Um, I'm just, you know, plugging along. Ain't nothing new, ain't nothing brand new going on. Same old, same old, but just joyful today. I'm excited about our special guest. Y'all, I'm starting to feel like the podcast in general is a We Are Family vibe because not too (laughs) long ago, well, maybe it was long ago. Was it like two, a year and a half, Sharika, that we had our mothers on the pod? Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't this past Mother's Day, so it was like the Mother's Day before. Yes, one of my favorite episodes, so good, and I keep trying to get my brother on the pod. He said he's going to come up, he said he's going to talk about prison life. That's not his life anymore, but listen, we want to know what's going on behind the bars. We want to know what's going on after the bars. We want to know all the things, and Evie said he has some people that could also speak to that. So Evie will have some family members, and we'll have my brother, but enough about them, because today we have someone I think I've referenced at least once or twice, my older sister, Nina Elaine Forum on the pod. Nina, Nina Elaine, (laughs) that's what I use. My mom used to sing her name like that. Uh, Nina, I've known literally my whole life. You know, first best friend, girl, 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 sister, sister, all that. And she's with us today to speak to something that we're very excited about that we will get to soon. But before we do that, we have to ask Nina, what's your temp? What's the temp check? How are you feeling? What's your vibe? I'm feeling so good. And I knew you were going to ask this question. And today in Clarksville, it's like the perfect day. And I looked up the temperature and it's 79. So that's Mm. how I feel. I feel like I'm at a 79. Um, All the families in town, things in my house are getting fixed that I didn't even ask to get fixed. The food is good. I mean, it's just great. It's great times. And of course, we'll get into it later. But tomorrow is the big adoption day. So I feel good. Um, And then a song that comes to my mind is I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good night. Yeah, I love it. Um, I like to joke with Nina because although I've known Nina my whole life, 
Nina and Sharik are familiar with each other. I believe they've gone on a cruise together. Am I right? No, or we wrong? went to no. um we went to Was it Philadelphia? Well, um Philadelphia, yeah. Okay. I was like I was thinking Boston. I'm like, it's not Boston. And then I had to think of Will Smith, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Born and raised. Hey. <laughs> I just put two. I just put two and two, even though I know that rap. I'm like, oh, who's in Philadelphia? But yes, I like to joke with my sister because y'all know Sharika is my other sister. You know, besties since I moved to Florida, really. So I'm like, Sharika's mine, and Nina's like, I literally knew her before you. She was my friend first, and I'm like, did I did. You? I'm like, did you? <laughs> Um, Sharika was a part of the original PBSG, Pretty what Brown Skin Girls, and that's why we did that trip. Um, do elaborate true. for the listeners because they're like Pretty Brown Skin Girl. Is this a Beyonce thing? You know, Brown Skin Girls or what? What is P- Sharika? You don't tell me about your little sorority, PBS, whatever Nina said. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know how we fully formed, but we were all in training. And we mm-hmm. were also all brown skin. <laughs> okay. And so we ended together. <laughs> Listen, that is, I've never heard anything more true about Black Girl Magic. Because one thing we do is like some, it's like when you meet another Christian and the Bible says the Holy Spirit in me recognizes like the Holy Spirit in you. It'd be like that with a Black Girl Magic. You be in a space, you look around, you're like, there's one. I just can see the stardust trail behind you. So listeners, when Nina references training, she means that uh, when she went to a school to be an ordained minister, she was at the school the same time Sharika was. I think Nina was a year ahead Mm -hmm. of Sharika. So yes, they were in that school. They were looking around. They're like, hey, there's about five or six of us, you know, pretty brown skin girls. So we might as well, you know, link up. Did y'all have a a symbol? Did y'all have a calling that the listeners... <laughs> you know, like sororities. Did y'all have like mm-hmm. what's y'all symbol? What did y'all have like a, a etc.? I don't believe there was a symbol, but you know what? I wish we would have had one now. You know, right. wish we would have had one. Didn't think about that. At no, time. you know what? But we didn't really need one. Our face <laughs> was a symbol. <laughs> we were the symbol. <laughs> okay, you know this. Just- Tells me in the future we need to have the whole original squad. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. I love it for um <laughs> ordained ministers, the PB. Oh my god. Yes. Uh so <laughs> I'm glad we're all doing well. When Nina joined us, she had this beautiful like party background with balloons. And I'm like, girl, you know, y'all know I don't like to be on camera. But I was like, she's on camera. She's smiling. She's looking bright. Sharika is almost always on camera. And I was like, I will get on camera. We'll usually also post to YouTube if all of us are on camera, but we're not going to post to YouTube because this camera, this energy is just for us. But there's a reason my sister has this celebratory background. And um, it's something that we're going to get into right now for hot topics. So you've heard a little bit about Sharika and I's journey to motherhood and just what we thought about it as a kid and what we thought about it what we think about it now as adults so I'm curious Nina before we drop the amazing ball of what is happening this week for you do you care to share with our listeners your journey like how did you think about motherhood as a kid did you always think you wanted to be a mom did you always want to be a mom if you did how many kids did you think you would want and etc care to share Yeah. So, I mean, at a young age, I do remember very specifically having, I don't want to say a vision because sometimes people can make that sound so spiritual, but I just, I was imagining in my head 
me and a bunch of children that were all different colors. And that was like my first like impression of like being a mom. Then of course, as I got older, I really correlated motherhood with being a wife. And so it was very difficult for me to see those things apart. Um, So every time I thought about or imagined being a mom, in my mind, I was also a wife. And for those of you who don't know, I'm not a wife right now, which is why I'm I'm bringing that up. So that happened. I had this desire to be a mother. And as I got older, I just remember sitting down one day and I was thinking, you know what? I've pretty much done everything in my life that I've wanted to do. Like I've lived a full life and I have a lot of love like still in me. And I want a good place to express that love. And so that's when I really started to think about, and I don't know if this is the next question, but that's when I really started to think about motherhood outside of being a wife. Mm. I love that. Um, I think a lot of times from childhood, we have certain ideas of what our adulthood will look like. And we have certain parameters that thank God, um, the Holy Spirit you know, leads us in in his obedience to like break and still live out the dreams and the hopes and wishes that we have, even though it looks different from our journey. I know when I was younger and I had these aspirations to be a creative arts director, I too associated that with wifehood, which is Mm -hmm. interesting and probably Mm -hmm. said a lot about our society because I used to think I need to marry a trumpet player or a pianist because I'm going to be a DMD's wife, because that's the only way I'm going to be able to be a creative arts director. Mm. I guess Mm. in those days when I was younger, the only people in my church who were creative arts director were the divisional music director's wives. The divisional music directors were always men, and they either were phenomenal piano players or trumpet players. So I was like, okay, that's going to be my end. What are these trumpet players looking like? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I might have to find (laughs) another way and I was able to do it in singlehood. God was like, literally, Sabrina, you're ridiculous. You don't, this is not going to be the way, you know, um, he created another mm-hmm. way. And there were other women who were ended up being single and creative arts director. So it turns out didn't need a husband to do that. And my sister didn't need a husband for this beautiful journey that she's on. Mm-hmm. So I will share from my perspective, um, maybe four and a half years ago, maybe a little longer. I can't remember how long the process was for my sister to be accepted to be a foster parent, which is the journey that happened. Uh, Nina reached out to me and she's like, hey, well, I always knew she would do this because we've talked about this as kids. Like, you know, if I don't have children on my own, or even if I do, I'll always adopt or something. So I knew that that was a part of her heart and the ministry that God laid out for her. So she was like, Hey, I'm going through this journey. May you write a letter? And I was like, of course, cracks knuckles. She used to work at camp, be a counselor. She's been working for President Taylor ministry. She's done this and that, and she would be phenomenal at this. And I just thought, you know, we'd have these series the beautiful children that my sister would help reunite with her families. Cause in her, her journey, she was teaching me a lot about foster care. And I never knew that one part of it is not only helping the kids, but helping the, the adults and everybody reunite, mm. reunite. And I was like, uh Oh, it's one thing for me to help a kid. My heart is for the children, but for adults, I was like, what? She was telling me how sometimes, Hey, if the foster um, mom is able to help, the kids mom or dad get to their job or whatever else I was like wow this is a huge responsibility Mm -hmm. but also what is closer to God's heart 
you know, he talks about like adopting us into his family, et cetera. So I was still very, very excited. And she started her journey and maybe about five, and Nina will know the exact, maybe five or four sets of beautiful children in, she got these three amazing kids. And she ended up with two of them for the next four and a half years, which those of you on the call who don't know a lot about foster care, if you're like me, that's a very long time. I always thought of foster care as being something that's transitional. Through um, just conversations with Nina, I learned that it's not always out of the ordinary for foster situations to be longer than a couple months or et cetera, but four years is a very long time. I'm going to let Nina get into it, but long story short, y'all, it's about to be adoption over here. So it's great. Like these beautiful children have been a part of our family for four years. And Nina will know the exact dates of that. But for me, they're already my niece and nephew. So the mm-hmm. fact that that opportunity came open and I was shocked because when I took off work this week, I was like, you know, my coworkers were so cute. We always say what we're doing. Well, in this position, my former position, we barely said nothing to each other, but um, <laughs> at this same company, but like, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to see the Madonna concert or I'm going apple pe- picking. And I was like, I am going to the adoption ceremony of my niece and nephew. And they're like, wow, that's so shocking. Your sister must have a really big heart. A lot of people won't adopt and I'm like Mm. you're telling me that even after four years then people will be like okay good for you somebody else can adopt you so I'm really excited and I'll let Nina speak to um the details and the journey of that but yeah the adoption is happening y'all I'm about to get a niece and nephew that I've known that has been in my family's life for four years and uh it's pretty pretty incredible uh before I pass the ball to Nina I'm just curious Sharika what are your thoughts on fostering, adoption? Do, what have you known? Has anything surprised you? Because I've shared a little things here and there with you over the past couple mm-hmm. of years. Go ahead, friend. Um, well, I personally don't have any experience, um, but I do have um, cousins on both sides of my family that have been adopted. Um, I have very good friends who... Uh, foster to adopt as well. And I walked up with them through that journey for a little bit. And as they were looking, um, as they were in the process of trying to find their children, um, you know, I, you know, would talk to her and she would tell me about, you know, she would get a picture of this child and a little bit of their story and things like that. And she would be so excited and uh, would be, um, you know, already imagining that child in their home and then it wouldn't work out and then it would be. So I realized through her, their journey, how much of a journey it really could be um, and how heartbreaking sometimes it could be probably on both sides, whether those children have had a heartbreaking background or um, maybe a parent or foster parent uh, looking forward to maybe adopting or bringing or even fostering a child and then it doesn't work out you know for whatever reason so it's just a I've learned that it it can be and it is often a journey and a lot of people are involved in it um that with my friend I mean I don't know how it always works but basically they had uh, I don't I'm going to use caseworker because I'm not really 
uh, short of the terminologies, but I know they had like a person like advocating or, you know, on their behalf. And then the child or children, they had, they got children, um, had someone um, advocating for them on their behalf. And basically they told me like, you know, basically they have to come together, not them, but their people come together and, you know, try to work things out and discuss them on, you know, and mediate that situation. So that's a little bit that I know, but I don't really know too, too much more. But I know it's a beautiful journey that if you really have a heart for it, could be a true blessing for you and your community and those children that you uh, take in. Thanks for sharing, friend. And so Nina, we're curious, uh, before you started this journey, what your thoughts were and once you've been in it, because you are definitely in it to win it, um, how those thoughts have changed or any new surprising things or whatever you care to share. Yeah, so I think it's important to know that when I became a foster parent, I had an adoption heart. And so my heart changed. It really did. Mm. And the reason I want to share that is because my stereotype or my perspective of foster care was not good. I didn't want to be associated with foster care. Um, I allowed the, the media to kind of determine my thoughts about that. So in my mind, foster care was for people who were probably just going to take advantage of kids who didn't care about kids didn't want to keep the kids, just wanted to use them and get rid of them. And obviously that's a horrible way to think, but I'm okay to admit the biases that I had. And so I went into this, like, you know, I don't really want to be a foster parent. I know I want to adopt, like that is my heart. And it actually took some friends of mine at the time, they were foster parents And I spent time with their kids, like the way that people spend time with my kids. Now I was spending time with their kids. I was babysitting their kids. Um, And it dawned on me. I was like, oh, my friends aren't bad people. My friends aren't weird. My friends aren't taking advantage. Like, you know, I really need to think again about the way that I see, see foster care. So they really opened up my eyes to that that possibility. And also just to be completely honest, (laughs) when I first decided I wanted to adopt, I thought I was going to go the traditional route. And I remember being very naive and calling like an adoption place like, yes, I want to adopt and da 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 da. And they were just sharing with me. And when they told me how much it was going to be at that time, it was like almost more than my salary. And I was like, so basically I can't afford to adopt. Um, this this is kind of out of my price range to adopt. Wow, um, that's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And I was like, well, God, like, I don't know what to do because I feel like this, this is on my heart, but this is literally out of reach. And I know a lot of people will start like a, a fundraising campaign to adopt. Like, I understand why now. I just didn't want to do that. And so getting to know my friends who are foster parents at the time, I was like, you know, I can still have a chance to love on kids. And, and, and they told me, they're like, you can actually adopt through the foster care system. Um, and it's much easier than going a traditional route. So when I went to my first class, I was there in mind saying, I'm going to adopt. I'm not really here to foster. Like, I'm going to go through the foster system, but I'm really going to adopt. 
but then as they were speaking and they shared the need, the need for foster parents um, and how hard it was for them to find places for kids to sleep, um, that kids were sleeping on office floors and still do. I was just overwhelmed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the need right now. Like they need help with this. And I wanted to be a part of that. So my heart shifted and it was a big shift because I went in saying, I'm ready to build my family. And I left saying, okay, I'm ready to serve where needed. Um, so that was a huge shift for me. And so I did all, you know, the classes, the paperwork, and I think I want to say I got approved in like late June to do it. And I also had a big trip planned. So I was planning to go to Greece that year and I was going to be gone for like 10 days. And so DCS said to me, like, we don't want to put, we don't want to give you a permanent placement right now because you're going to be leaving out of the country soon. And if you don't understand what a permanent placement means, it means a placement where the kids stay until their parents get them back. And so they were like, it won't be fair to the child for them to come in and then they have to go somewhere else for 10 days. So in the meantime, I, I did short term. And so I had seven kids. <laughs> um, I had a teenager. I had a baby. I had some middle schoolers and they were all very short term because I was leaving out of town. But when I got back, <laughs> that's when I got the call. And I, I don't know how much in depth you, you want me to go, Sabrina, but I do remember having on my heart before I got the call three children. Again, similar to when I was a little girl and I had the image in my mind of me with kids, I kept having an image in my mind of me and three kids, which was wild because it was just me. But because of that vision, I got the text. So if you're a foster parent, you'll get a lot of texts throughout the day asking you to take more kids. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't believe it. I've actually started to just hold up my phone when I start getting texts like, see, it's real. There's eight kids that need a place to sleep tonight. Um, but I got the text. And so I called and they're like, we, we have three kids. And I said, yes, um, <laughs> I didn't even get all the details, but it was because God had already given me that picture in my mind that I was going to say yes to three. And I was obviously very excited um, and nervous at the same time. And I still can see all three of them coming into my house. Like one of them went straight to the fridge <laughs> Amen. and a caseworker was holding the youngest and it was just really, um, surreal. And I was like, they, they came in the house and I was like, I'm doing it. Like it's happening. And at that time, as a foster parent, you don't know the end of the story. You don't know if they're going to be gone in two weeks, six months, because um, out of the three that I had, the, the eldest actually went to live with a relative after about six months, but the other two stayed. So that was a whole transition we had to go through because a sibling set was broken up because of how the system is laid out that if they can find a relative, but because she had a different father... Uh, the relative technically wasn't related to her sister and brother. 
Um, so we went through that change. Um, and after we kind of came out of that, we really started to form the family that we have now. Um, and a lot of people would ask like, how are you feeling? Like, isn't this weird that, you know, they're not yours, but you're taking care of them. And because I had an adoptive heart, like I shared with y'all, they, I saw them as mine as day one and not like, oh, they're like mine. I literally saw them as mine, not to say anything against the parents, because I actually spoke to the parents and I wanted to assure them because a lot of parents, no matter what they've done to have their kids end up in care, they want to make sure their kids are okay. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I wanted to reassure their parents that, hey, they are safe. They're not going to be bounced around from home to home anymore. I said, I'm seeing them as my children. The only people who can have them is you. And that's what I said to both parents. Um, I wanted them to know that they didn't have to worry because they had been bounced around. Um, but I wanted them to know like they're home right now. The only people that I will release them to um, is you because foster parents can disrupt and that's when you get kids in and for whatever reason, you're like, I don't, I can't do, do this anymore. And that's how kids get bounced around. I had to see them as mine. That's the only way I knew how to, to do this thing. Um, and even though people are like, oh my gosh, that would just be too hard. I'm like, it's not about us. <laughs> it's not about how we feel. Like we should be doing this to create a safe place for the kid. And what is best for the kid to be fully loved, not to feel like they're living with a babysitter for four years. Um, so that's really the mindset that I went into it with. Um, and as Sabrina said, after four years of really a roller coaster of not knowing what was going to happen with them, it's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> We're going to be a legal family tomorrow after four years of never knowing if I was going to get a call. And I did get a call once saying, hey, I think one of the parents are getting kind kind of close. Um, that particular parent had set up rooms for the children that we went and saw. So when I tell you we've been on a roller coaster, we have. Wow. Uh, thank you for sharing, because some of that is news to me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> I never knew that uh, adopting a child because the need is so high could cost, like, thousands of dollars. I would just think, hey, they need to be adopted, you know, show them a little one, two step that you can take care of them. But <laughs> golly, yeah. that is hard. And I, I can imagine that the reasons for that are complex and nuanced, right? Like maybe they want to make sure that you can take care, but it's like, if you take all my money, I won't be able to take care. <laughs> like, right. I want to make sure <laughs> that, you know, I'm sure the reasons for that are complex, but I love that God, once again, provided a different way. You know, we have our plans and God laughs. So uh, there's that. And I love that you already had an adoptive heart from the start. You know, that when you got any of the children and when they were considered in foster care you're like these are my babies and I'm going to treat them as such when we think about the greatest commandment does not it say like treat your neighbor as you would yourself right mm -hmm. and those kids they're our neighbor they're God's heart so love that Sharika did you learn anything new from what Nina shared uh because you had some shocked eyes at some point as well so I'm like <laughs> what part that was for Sharika like interesting 
It's the that part when you were talking about how you could get a call or a text at any time, like, hey, we need somebody to take in these kids, like, and it's like constant. That's wild. And that's also very sad that these, you know, that, that the need is so great that they're like hitting any and everybody. Well, not any and everybody, but, you know, anybody in everybody in the system or whoever their network is to be like, we need somebody. Can anybody take these kids? And that is wild. Yeah, no, I mean, and I've seen those desperate. texts. Yeah. Yes, I think I've screenshotted some to the family. Like, and these sometimes t- like people don't believe me when I say y'all, it's really bad. Like, they really do need people. Um, And these texts, they weren't sent to Nina when her house was empty. They knew she had three already. One was very, I mean, they were all young, but one's very young. Her house had reached capacity, but they were like, but it's better your house than none. Can you please take two more, three more? Well, Sally Sue's going to have to sleep at the office with a social service worker. Like just to think that that is happening in this first world country. It is heartbreaking. I remember a Sunday school class I was in years ago. I know it was years ago because shout out to Bob Watson. He was teaching and we watched some video. I believe it was Francis Chan. And he said, if every church in America had one family who took in a child, we could get rid of children's homes. And I remember thinking, whoa, like, come on, Christians. We be on a lot of soapboxes. Can we be on this one? Including me. I can't just be on Nina's coattails. Like, well, Nina got <laughs> two, so I'm count- accounted for. <laughs> like, I know there are so many different ways to help, right? And someone in our Sunday school class who's a professional um, counselor and therapist, he was saying, like, it is nuance right you need to make sure you have the mental health and the finance to help right you can't be in a bad situation being like i'll help the kids or are you helping or hurting so there's different ways to help there's and sometimes you're gonna get a young person a human who has been through a lot and you might not have the resources and the tools to help them become the person that god wants them to be so i get it that, yeah, Francis Chan, you can say that statistics, but it's more nuanced than that. But there are so many different ways to help. I guess we'll say before we even get to the recommends, like hearing what stood out to Sharika and hearing Nina's heart on it and knowing that I've seen the text. If you are one of the people that truly has the capacity, pray and consider it because the need is great. Nina speaks to Clarksville, but I can't imagine that is different for any other city. Yeah, and I know specifically in Tennessee, you know, there's an opioid crisis. And so that highly contributes to children in care. And so when, yes, so when you talk about ways to help, you know, it's not just directly with the child. It could be someone who is helping people with addictions because a lot of those people with addictions have children. Um, and the worse their addiction gets, the more it's likely that they will lose their kids. And so there's so many things that can be done. And I would say like with my family, one thing that was very helpful, I think in the beginning it was new for all of us, you know? And so even though I went into it with an adoptive heart, you know, I would say, if you're thinking about doing this, uh, be patient with your family because they don't always know where your heart is in their mind. They're like, okay, there's a, there's different kids each week, you know, how am I supposed to interact with this? But I feel like 
Sabrina and her husband, as she said, have fully embraced my children as an aunt and an uncle. And we learn in our foster care training classes that you have to take that when children are creating those secure bonds that are healthy and safe, it actually changes their brain chemistry. It's healing the trauma. So when you love hard and love deep and you do get attached, because a lot of people say, well, I just don't want to get attached. When you do get attached, that actually brings healing to that child. That is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. Um, Nina, Sharika talked a little bit about her friends who had the caseworkers and et cetera in her corner. Do you feel comfortable speaking to what that aspect of it was like? Because sure, you have the aspect of being a caregiver to children, but you also have this aspect of having strangers be like, what's going on? What's shaking? Mm, yeah. I need to be in your house. <laughs> okay, so me and Sabrina were raised in the same house. Uh <laughs> We, we didn't do well with people just popping up or having right. company a lot. Like, that's not our vibe. Like, we can throw a party, and during the party, we are happy to see you, but we don't really want you there any other time. We are more private when it comes to that kind of thing. And so well, well. I really had to just get used to it. So as Sharika said, I had an FSW who was assigned to me. And essentially, she's making sure that I'm getting all my training requirements, um, just just all like the logistical things of being a foster parent. Um, you know, she's checking the home to make sure I'm compliant. Um, and then we had the caseworker assigned to the kids and we went through multiple caseworkers because P.S. caseworkers are burnt out and they mm. quit. <laughs> and mm. so I think we've had six caseworkers um, within the four years. And so, yeah, I had to get used to them being in my home. I will say though, depending on your relationship with them, I build a pretty good rapport with mine. And so even, even though the visits were kind of annoying just because I just want to come home and relax with my kids, right? But I'm coming home and like, okay, the caseworker is going to be here. Let's sweep the floor. Let's, you know, do this. But really, they just wanted to come and see how we were doing. A lot of them honestly just wanted to unload. Like, they were just sharing their life stories. And so I think that's just my personality where some people will just start to share their lives. Um, but yeah, so having to get used to so someone being in your home that, that often. Um, and then people may not realize if you have multiple foster kids, every child, if they're not in the same family, has an, a separate caseworker. So I had, especially when I took in the baby, which we haven't talked about because she's not available for adoption, but she actually came with a caseworker and a CASA work worker. So there were like two people texting me saying, when can I come to your house? Add me to emergency contact. So, you know, it's a lot. Um, and I'm such a private person, but a part of me just has to be thankful that caseworkers at least are trying to do their jobs. Because as I mentioned before, some foster homes are not safe. And I think once a caseworker knows your home is safe, those visits are more relaxed. So I can't remember the last time they checked to see if all my out my, my outlets were covered and things like that. You know what I mean? Like they did in the beginning before they like really knew me. And so I think once that relationship is built and they trust you, 
those visits do become more casual, but still frequent. <laughs> and so I am not going to miss that part of it at all. I know that's right. And um, I'm glad that you mentioned the baby because she's somebody else that I'm like, okay, new niece alert. She is so cute. And I'm like torn when I see her and I'm sure foster parents and adoptive parents feel this way because she's so cute. And we've been able to see so many milestones. I think you got her when she was four months, Nina. Yes. She um, came in four months. And honestly, for those who are listening, I was actually done. Like I was just waiting for the adoption for my two. And I was like, I'm going to close my home. This is a roller coaster. <laughs> There's nothing left in me. And then that's still a small voice. And I just heard maybe one more. And I was just like, no. <laughs> but when I got the text, a literal text about her, I think I picked her up at midnight or she got dropped off at midnight. Um, yeah. And the rest is, is history. And the way I feel about her is the same way I felt about my others. So I love her fully and wholly. I see her as mine. And at the same time, I know one day I may have to release her. She's so cute. And I, every time I see her, you know, stand up or now my girl be talking, she be hitting us with the and all that. So I'm like, <laughs> listen, my heart just feels for the parents. Cause I'm like, they miss out on this. She is so cute. And Nina, um, Sharika and I have also been talking recently about Kurt Franklin's journey to reunite with his father and the man he thought was his father his whole life ended up being not and this just this whole thing so just the idea of reconciliation being on God's heart and that's something else mm -hmm. I pray for the kids and I know Nina has done a wonderful job um, letting the kids know who their birth mother is and when that time comes if they're ready for reconciliation I think they're in the perfect home where it will be handled in a way that is reflective of God's own heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Some people have asked me like, oh, are you going to like let them talk to their birth parents? Um, and it's kind of an odd question, but I do understand where it's coming from. You have to remember as a foster parent, because the goal is to reconcile with parents, the contact is there, you know, the visits are scheduled. So I wouldn't like cut that off now. Um, just because there's an adoption, because the thing is, I actually love my children um, because I love them. I know that no matter what, deep down, they're going to want to know about their parents. Um, and I've heard from some people who are adopted, who are older, that maybe felt odd, like talking about their birth parents in front of their adoptive parents. And I just want to like, you know, not have any of that. I want to open conversation like, like I said, I, especially in the beginning, I had a, a very, um, I mean, as good as it can be a good relationship with the parents. Um, I tried to keep some of the letters that were sent. Um, I hope and pray that they will hear from their parents, that they would hear words like, I love you. It's not your fault. You know what I mean? Like, I want that for them. Mm -hmm. I know that's what they're going to need, even if they can't articulate it right now. Mm -hmm. Sharika, you're cracking me up today. <laughs> we're usually Hi. not, because I'm usually not on video. And y'all, I did end up turning my video off. I'm over here eating a barbecue sandwich. I'm doing I wonder why you turned it off. <laughs> girl, my girl is hungry. But um, 
Sharika's facial expressions, I'm like, girl, you're giving that you have a comment. So let's go share, share your thoughts. No, it's just so much. And like, I think going into it, you like you said, you have to have a heart for it. Because like you're saying, it has to be like, it's not about me, it's about them. And your heart has to be open to wherever that takes you. Because I'm like, I can't even imagine, you know, loving this child and then being like, now I have to love you from afar because you've now, I mean, because you ideally reuniting with their parent is what the goal is. And, and, you know, I just am like, wow, it, the people, you, anybody who has a heart for this, or even, um, even if they, you know, whether they just want to do fostering. And I, as I was talking, I thought about a cousin of mine who just started fostering two kids uh, a few months ago. So it's, you know, I, I admire people who have put themselves to the side for the love and the care of other people, especially because in this society, we think that we've been taught so much about or focused on ourselves and, you know, you got to watch out for you or you got to look at, you know, take care of you first, you first and all that. But, you know, to think about the people who, who decide to foster or adopt and, and with a, with a pure heart, like that is very selfless. That is selfless work, selfless love. And I just admire it. Cause I'm like, wow, this is a lot. Cause it's a lot. It's a, you're, it's like you said, it's not just your life that's disrupted or not inter- disrupted in a negative way or could be a negative way, you know, depending on the situation. And like you said, like people coming in and out of your house, you know, you you know, all the time or, you know, it's all the people you're connected to, your community, your family, and they get attached too. So it's just like, wow. It, it, and it also reminds me of the fact that nobody can do life alone like you need a community you need support everybody needs support the children need support the foster the family the parents everybody needs support nobody can do this journey alone it takes a lot and it it requires a lot Mm -hmm. he said from the beginning it's not good for man to be alone right um sharika and sabrina this is this can be my my last comment but i wanted to comment on something sharika said um, as foster parents, we do hear a lot like, wow, like you're amazing. You've done this and that. And what I like to say is, you know, what? you too can be a hero <laughs> because the thing <laughs> is, you know, we're not that special. Uh, God mm. literally empowers us to do hard things. All mm. um, and sometimes our hard things are different, you know, mm-hmm. as, much, as beautiful as this journey is, it's very hard. It's mm. very hard. And it kind of reminds me like the way that I love my my kids, like the, the love that I have for them, that I've had for them. When I got the text before I saw their faces, you know, before mm. I knew their personalities, before I knew their race, like I knew nothing about them. I had already committed to love them. And I think about that verse that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died mm. for us. Which mm. that, that that love was already d- decided on. Like we didn't have to do mm-hmm. anything. And, you know, I decided to love my kids, not knowing if they would love me back, mm. not knowing mm. if I could quote unquote, keep them. Mm. 
And every day this past four years that I've done that, it reminds me of God's love for us. Like he just decided on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now with the adoption, like it almost gives me chills and maybe this is where I'll end, you know, when you adopt, you have to sign a lot of documents. Um, and one of those documents is I accept, and then you put their name. And I remember when I signed that, I almost started crying. Like I was accepting them, like the way that I want to be accepted. I was accepting them into a family. Um, and there's nothing that they can do that would make mm. them not my children. Cause I've accepted them. Mm. It's done. Like um, tomorrow it'll technically be done. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes in our relationship with God, we're feeling like, okay, am I still a part of the family? You know, like Mm. I did this or this thing happened. And it's like, you know what? I don't care Mm. how much my little boy tantrums. I don't care how many holes he punches in the wall. That's my son. That's not going to change. He's still a part of this family, no matter how many times my little girl gives me a smart remark. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing that they can actually Mm. do because the decision was already made by me and it's binding. Mm. Mm. Um, And I don't want to get too theological, but amen, right? Like, amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, if there is a separation it'll be because they decided on it when they're old they're older like if they get Mm -hmm. older and decide I don't want to be a part of this family and there's people who do that right they divorce their parents that's a real thing Mm -hmm. but it would have to be on them it wouldn't be me that's a real thing yeah yeah and Girl. people can do um <laughs> I'm black mama. I'm black. I gotta see yeah. the rest of these and they get or get emancipated. P- kids get oh, emancipated. Yeah, I've heard too. of emancipated. It usually comes from like child stars or something, and they're they feel like their parents just stole their money. But I and forgive me, Kit Backers, for saying not my black parent. I'm sure anybody can divorce their parents. I just feel like mm-hmm. the spirit over a huge Sabrina, I'm sorry, pretty sorry. sure we're not going to say names. I'm pretty sure we know someone in Rocky Mountain that just up and got a new parent. We're not going to say names. No, no, I've never thought of it that way. I'm sorry for interrupting a very powerful train of thought. Let's get back to it. That's crazy. Wow, okay. it is crazy, but you know, it just shows me that the beauty of adoption, like, says God adopted us, and like now mm. when I read that, I'm like, not that I fully understand it, right? Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, like the the commitment and choice that I had to go through to say I'm going to adopt them, the journeys that we have been on, um, and the fact that no matter what they did, that was still my choice, and to know that that's how God feels about me, like it gives me chills. Mm. And there's, and I remember- when God decided to love me, there was no guarantee that I would accept Him. God has so many people that He's created that will never accept Him. That has to hurt. Mm-mm-mm. So Ooh, I'm gonna drop the mic now because y'all know Sabrina knows that I can go on and on. Listen, that okay. is girl. I'm, I'm sensing the speaker for the PBGS uh, sorority. <laughs> Just did the keynote. I need you to get it right. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was the keynote, and that was the closer. That was all of it. And up here, oh we definitely God, get into so our sermon. Hilarious. So. 
I'm yeah. all about it. Um, in our relationship, they the tip backers know we are Christians. We're not perfect, but we be sliding it in whenever we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember watching this show called um, Parenthood, and they went through. They had adopted one of the families in the show adopted a son, and I remember like they were like going through this, and I'm sure maybe some of it is. Maybe some dramatized, but I believe this part is like really a part of it. But basically, it was just talking about how, like, like you were saying, that acceptance and that child, like now, like their lineage has changed. Like everything about, like that child's life is what they had before is not what it will be. Like who they are now in this family, and that means like, you know, when you think of like what people have for their kids, their inheritance, like. They have now been literally, like, they are now, everything, uh, if they people had uh, biological children, everything their biological child, their adopted child now gets, and they are now a part of, and they're forever in that family. And that, that really is a representation of what God does for us. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. There we go. Y'all heard it here first, y'all. He heard it here first. So very excited for Nina tomorrow. I'm sure I'll do a follow-up next week because I don't think I've ever been to a court case outside of mediation when I took the weave store to court and we didn't even make it to in front of the judge. So I'm very excited to see the vibe. Mm. I feel like this is very much a TV, a very monumental moment for Mm. Nina, but the whole family. And I truly, truly can't wait. Um, Really quick before we get off Nina and I'll share my top one thing. I'm sure you have a top three thing that you're excited about that will be different now that they are not in foster care, but they are your children. They've always been your children, but it's signed, still delivered. For me, I'm excited to take the niece and nephew on a trip a true trip. Don't got to get permission from nobody. It's just Uncle Doug, Aunt Sabrina, and we're going to this place and it is what it is. Um, Nina, do you have a top, like rapid fire, top one, top two, top three? I would definitely say the travel is huge because we do like to travel and we just came back from the Bahamas. And even though that was lovely, we initially got denied for that trip. And I didn't like that other people could control our vacation. So mm. that, that's going to be the top. And then my other top is going to be that when people, strangers come up to me and ask me questions like, are you the babysitter or anything like that? I'm just going to be like, I'm mom and walk away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kid backers. <laughs> a fact that we didn't share, uh, the kids are um, Caucasian. So people have and that's a conversation for another day because people be up and everybody else's business even with me with my niece I remember being in the store with my niece and people just looking at me crazy and I dare them because I yes was raised in the same household as my sister I don't come with the same energy y'all can see who is divine and sweet and all that it is not me y'all can really get into it with me in this store okay Please. What oh I got time gosh, for is that's that crazy. Sure. Like, like, is that the baby? Is it your business? Are you, yes. are you at your house? Like suddenly, and I bet What's you these people you? are not adoptive parents. I bet you they're not foster parents. Y'all aren't trying to send money our way to help take care of these kids, but suddenly in the store they want to act like they care. Find your business. Wow. Find your business. Okay. Well, wow. Sorry. I'm Should excited for you guys, though. So. I'm yes. excited for you guys. I, when my friends adopted their kids, I was on the Zoom, like they did the, they did the thing, but I wasn't in person. I was on Zoom and I was crying through the Zoom. Okay. Aww. It was a beautiful, I was crying through the Zoom 
watching the adoption. So I can only imagine how it will be to be in the room and to be there. And so I'm so excited for you guys. This is so great. Yep, yep. I, I believe there's a Zoom link. So maybe if it's still available, I can be like, Nina, let's shoot it Sharika's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because Sharika, she's just family to me at this point, girl. Your niece and nephew, too, because when they come over, you she's held baby. She's seen niece mm -hmm. and nephew at church. So a couple times. I've seen them a couple times. Exactly. So here we go. So um, in scripture funnies today, last week I shared a funny and I was going to follow up on because actually one kickbacker was like, what was the context of that and basically there had been a whole famine and then when the prophet went to tell the king that it was going to end the king's attendant was like no it's not and he was like since you know so much you're going to get trampled and he did <laughs> because the people were trampled because the famine did end and the people were trying to get to the food so the context of that um yeah there's the famine and the famine was so strong that when the king was passing by the gate, a lady called out to him. She was like, listen, I need help. And he was like, listen, if God can't help you, where am I supposed to go? To the dairy, to the farm. And then he was like, okay, tell me your story. Homegirl was like, listen, me and my friend had a baby. We agreed that we we're going to eat the babies because of the famine. We ate my baby. And the next day when it was time to eat her, eat her baby, she hit it. I felt that wasn't really funny in the context of everything we talked about today. So I'm not going to go into that whole thing. I'm going to choose a different scripture funny and I'm going to say, don't eat no babies. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but we are still in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 22. And this is right before that attendance story from last week. Um, Micaiah, a prophet, was talking to all the false prophets starting in verse 19. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 24 and then verse 34. So Micaiah is talking. Micaiah kept on. I'm not done yet. Listen to God's word. And then he goes on about how the prophets that were talking in the king's ear, they weren't the right ones. They are just thinking of ways to seduce the king away from the Lord's way. And he's like, and that's what has happened. God filled the mouths of your puppet prophets with seductive lies. God has pronounced your doom. Just then Zedekiah, son of Canaan, came up and punched Micaiah in the nose. So just so y'all following, Zedekiah is one of the false prophets. He literally goes up to the prophet of the Lord, the real one, and punch him in the nose saying, since when did the spirit of God leave me and take up with you? But Micaiah was a G. You know, I feel like I would be embarrassed. Even if I was on God's side, I might have an attitude with God. Like, listen, I'm out here doing your word. I'm getting punched in the nose. This is not the vibe. Micaiah just said in verse 25, when the, he said, you know, since when did God leave me and take up with you? Micaiah said, you'll know soon enough. You'll know it when you're frantically and futilely looking for a place to hide. That is confidence from the Lord. He's like getting punched. And he's like, oh, you're going to find out. And a few verses later, they did. Because verse 34, someone randomly shot an arrow into the crowd and it hit the king of Israel in the chink of his armor. The king told his charioter, turn back, get me out of here, I'm wounded. And then everybody was rushing and trying to hide, but he warned him like, don't listen to the prophets, don't go into this battle. He did it anyway, and then he had to be scrambling and end up dying. So he didn't care about that punch in the nose because he was like, y'all gonna get worse. And that to me was somewhat mm. funny. Sharika, what mm. are you expressing today? <laughs> I'm expressing, um, I wanted to talk about this. I mean, we're not, we're not really there yet, but we're getting ready to be in November. I mean, it really will be here before we know it. And um, as we should be all the time, we should be thankful and grateful 
at all times, but we all have life lighting us. You know, we have things that really are tough, difficult, and things like that. But I'm going to choose to make November for me my gratitude month. So I'm telling y'all this now because I need y'all to be prepared. And if you need to get yourself in order to get there, so when November 1st hits, if you maybe start earlier, hey, but if, but be ready by November 1st. We're going to choose to do, be grateful. We're going to choose to be thankful. Um, you know, I know life is hard. I'm saying this to myself. This is why I'm choosing this, because life has been hard. And if we want to talk about all the things that we can complain about, there is many. But um, there's a song that I grew up singing in church and it says count your many blessings name them one by one and you will be surprised at what the Lord has done and that song always made me think like I sang it as a young person didn't think nothing about it but like now that I've been an adult and I want and I get into these times where I'm just like frustrated annoyed whatever discouraged disappointed and then I think about like if I really start counting like how God is good what God has done for me, how God has protected me. There's things I know, there's things I'll never know that God did for me. And once you start counting like all the things that God has done for you, you know, your attitude will change. The gratitude will be there. The thankfulness will be there. And hopefully that will help color the, your perspective when you look at some of the difficult things. So that's what I wanted to express to you guys. I want you to be prepared because we're gonna be grateful. We're gonna be thankful. And we're going to just uh, praise the name of the Lord. Yay. That's Amen. Nice. Why did I see y'all sorority strolling to count your many blessings? Oh. <laughs> All right. Hey. <laughs> I love it. I'm really here for this um, ordained pastors. My recommendation today, it's so funny that we we're talking about it. I, the phone has to listen to us because I picked up my personal phone and I opened Facebook and the first thing I saw was Christmas for fosters. Tis the season. That is my recommend. Mm. You can help out children in foster care and ensure that they get a Christmas that, you know, most children would want, that they get something. Mm. I know you're, a lot of people think, oh, they're in foster care. I'm sure they're taken care of. Not necessarily the case. Some mm. of them, their birthdays don't even get acknowledged or et cetera. So mm. my first recommend would be, hey, if you are like, the best I can do right now is help financially. That's better than nothing. Check out christmasforfosters.com. And then for those of you in the Hillsborough County area, the Heart Gallery of Tampa Bay. Now I'm going to warn you, and I think I've done this one before, but I'm yes. just going to do it again. Um, mm -hmm. If you go to the website, take the tissues because they got the kids up there like pretty much selling themselves like little commercials like my name is mm. Bobby and the reason I want to be a part of a family can't do it that sort of thing but they also have different ways you can help for Tampa Bay like you can be a birthday buddy for $25 a year and that will ensure that little Bobby at least gets a card on his birthday and you can see their kids you can look at if you call up you can ask any questions it's not a scam I love the Heart Gallery of Tampa Bay they do things throughout the year that you can um, do to help walk alongside these young kids as they are on the journey to find their forever family. So Christmas for mm. Fosters and Heart Gallery of Tampa Bay. Sharika, or no, 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 I'll go to Nina. We'll mm -hmm. let Sharika uh, close out. Nina, um, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? A book, a song, an action, anything you'd like to recommend for the people today? Um, I would just recommend that as you're listening to all this, maybe your heart is stirring. You're like, you know, 
Maybe, maybe I should become a foster parent or maybe it's not stirring, but you're thinking there's something I do need to do. I would encourage everyone listening to be obedient to what the Lord is asking you mm-hmm. to do. Don't try to copy someone else's journey. Uh, mm-hmm. Do the hard thing and seek the Lord because it may not be being a foster parent. It might be supporting a foster family. It might be help, helping a young girl get off the street. It might be, you know, doing something within poverty, like whatever it is, take time and sit Mm -hmm. before the Lord and say, God, how do you want to use me? And please, if he brings something to your mind that's inconvenient, that's probably it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of what he's going to ask us to do is going to be sacrificial, which means it's going Mm -hmm. to be inconvenient. So don't Take those things off the table saying, oh, well, that couldn't work because of ABC. No, that's inconvenient. And maybe God is asking you to sacrifice. So my recommend is to be obedient, spend time with the Lord, ask him what Mm -hmm. he wants for your life, what he has for you, and then move forward in obedience. Amen. Mm, That's a word right there. Right. All right, Sharika, what are you going to close us out with? What are you recommending to the people? So I'm recommending a movie. I saw this a few years ago. I thought it was amazing. Like I said, I have not personally gone through adoption or foster care, but I saw this movie and it felt real to me. I, I don't know if it is real, but I mean, I think it's based on a real story, but just some of the things like, you know, movies, when they talk about certain things, they it's always like happy or it's like they make it seem better. But I felt like this movie, it was a comedy, but they it really talked about some of the hard parts of, um, fostering and adopting, and it's called Instant Family. I thought it was really, really good. Um, so it's Instant Family, and it was with Mark Wahlberg is on there, and some other people, a lot of other actors, but I thought it was a really good movie, and so it kind of talks about what we talked about today. Instant Family. I don't know where it is, but I'm sure you find it somewhere. You can <laughs> look it up. Well, guys, it was so good to talk to you, Nina. You were amazing. We uh, are going to pray for you on your journey. We um, pray pray God's blessing on you and the children and your community um, and the extended family, because we know this is such a beautiful gift and ministry that you all are embarking on. So congratulations. And um, we would love to have you back on the kickback at any time. You know, so thank you for making time for us today. Sabrina, thank you for sharing your sister with us. We had a wonderful time with her. And I know the uh, kickbackers are going to love this episode because it was so great and powerful. So thank you. Um, Shout out to our brother EB who's doing his thing. Y'all know he's booked and busy as always. And now he's a dad. So, you know, always think about him. And that's it for today, guys. So uh, always remember, if life tries to knock you down, make sure you kick back.